all the quarterback talk you could want, a free agent draft for the ages, and absolutely no offensive line talk. That's coming up. I'm Jason Fitz. It's time for Zero Blitz. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Zero Blitz. I'm Jason Fitz. We brought in a sharpshooter extraordinaire. We brought in an expert. We brought in a guru. We brought in the great Mike Golick Jr. You can check out uh, Golick uh, every single morning hanging out on DraftKings. Brother, thanks for hanging out with me. I know you got to see me at the Super Bowl, and now we get to hang out again after the Super Bowl. On a scale of one to ten, you missed me nine, nine and a half since the Super Bowl. Does that feel accurate? (sighs) I won't do negative because this is your show and I don't want to come in and immediately disrespect your house. But uh, no, Jason was much famed around Radio Row. Anytime he sees anyone he knows, he just immediately starts shouting, wearing whatever loud, obnoxious bomber jacket he was wearing for that day about how it's Jason from work. We know each other to try and embarrass us in front of the room. Joke was on him. It was very easy for me to ignore, walk away and pretend like I didn't know him at all. You cannot ignore the fact that multiple people now define me as sneaky tall. So I just I, I promised myself ah. I would get sneaky tall in the first two minutes. Uh, look, I mean, sne- sneaky tall isn't quite as I was hoping for sneaky yoked. I've been working on that. I didn't get that, but I got sneaky tall. So I don't know, Mike, like you feel a little intimidated now that five, nine and a half, like like that half inch. It uh, it wasn't for lack of effort that you tried for the yoked comment, too, because any time Jason had an opportunity, he would tell anyone who would listen, you know, I've gained a pound and a half of muscle in each leg, not just overall, but in each leg. That's fair. Uh, I, I put up 42 splat points over the weekend on my tread 50. So, you know, I'm just saying, Mike, you ever want to get in the splat game with me? We can splat together. I've been in Los Angeles for almost two years now, which means I'm in the middle of a Pilates journey right now. Shout out to Legree Pilates at Studio <laughs> MDR. That stuff is getting your boy right. I don't know if we can cuss on this thing, but I'm about to have an ass like a donkey in about six months. Wow. Uh, as opposed to, I mean, it was always really your biggest strength. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> we'll actually, we'll talk about some, some football here. Uh, we're going to get to a free agent draft where we're going to go through and we're going to draft teams. We're going to put together respective teams, teams without offensive linemen, because I think we can all agree that nobody cares about offensive linemen before we do that though. that's just me throwing shade at you before we do that. I was, uh, I was spying your Twitter uh, handle earlier, your X handle, whatever we're supposed to call it now. And uh, you had some, uh, some video out there at Caleb Williams. And because 
I am quarterback thirsty at this point. Like I am stage five clinger to any quarterback as a Raiders fan. I am always interested in what you're seeing. I know you cover college football. I know you're starting to break down all of this stuff in your usual annual prep to be brilliant around draft time. So uh, looking at Caleb at this point, has have you seen anything watching some of the clips that are out there that has changed your mindset around Caleb Williams compared to, let's say, a month ago? No, I I think Caleb's been one of the ones that's pretty consistent stock. And really the reason that happened and the reason I think we're having a more informed conversation about him already is because USC started to have the wheels fall off midway through the season when they played Notre Dame. And so we shifted from, oh, Caleb Williams, college football playoff talk, Caleb Williams, Heisman trophy talk, because about November that became kind of unrealistic. And all of a sudden people started doing more of the next level analysis. Once those things had gone by the wayside, and what we saw a lot of people start to come to the conclusion of is, hey, this Drake May kid might have a little bit more of a chance. Hell, I've seen guys like our buddy Field Yates over at ESPN say Jaden Daniels might have his day in court. The Heisman Trophy winner from this year who affords you a lot of the dual threat capabilities that have become so in vogue for a lot of young NFL quarterbacks. And so, uh, no, Caleb Williams has been consistent. He is every bit. And I, I know the pro comps are always dangerous, but he does a lot of the Mahomes scramble stuff in terms of what he's capable of. A lot of the Mahomes arm angle stuff in terms of what he's capable of. He's that creative. The difference is right now, I called him a uh, play extending Icarus because he tended to this last year, fly way too close to the sun way too often. Part of that is because as many people in draft Twitter are finding out the USC offense was not an overly complicated machine that had a ton of options for Caleb when a lot of teams decided to start to blitz him and so that became an issue the protection was certainly an issue and I think because he constantly found himself having to overcome a bad defense in the other side he developed some bad habits of trying to do too much because he felt like he had to score 14 every play and so I still think all the same attractive gifts are there it's just going to be a matter of starting to pull him back a little bit off some of those things where his penchant for wow moments got a little bit overwhelming this year so let me be reasonable for a second because I think we lose reason in these conversations about quarterbacks like a year ago everybody was just sure that Caleb Williams was going to be the second coming right and I think that's fair to say that this year maybe some of that mindset has changed but I also think that's a fair thing to happen like the more somebody plays college football the more tape you get on somebody the more tape you get on somebody in positives and negatives the better informed your opinion becomes on them like I think I see a lot of people saying yeah but what about last year with Caleb and I guess the thing that keeps hitting me Mike is last year's opinion about Caleb is allowed to evolve into this year's opinion so there is some room for nuance in the conversation of whatever he was doing last year that made him look can't miss this year some of that took a step back and it's okay to acknowledge that while also acknowledging there are reasons for everything that we're seeing we also kind of do this every year too, where every prospect is can't miss when they've got a year of eligibility left. And then once we get to draft season, we start to go through these guys with a fine tooth comb. I always say like my opinion on guys can change a lot from December to February, just because when you're watching them in college, I'm usually watching them to get ready for a game. So I'm saying, what can they do to hurt this college football team that they're getting ready to play? Now we're trying to do the difficult task of projecting, Hey, can they go and do the Sunday job when the athleticism on the other side ticks up when the windows are smaller, when you've got to translate some things that might not be readily available. And I think the conversation with Caleb is twofold is one Drake may 
I thought was always going to be in the conversation with him, but people just flat out ignored him. Even last year when North Carolina was kind of good in a double digit win team, people just didn't want to have him in the Heisman conversation, anything because we were so smitten, so smitten understandably with Kayla Williams. And then Jaden Daniels kind of did the Joe Burrow trajectory at LSU where he got there as a starter for one year. He was kind of okay. And then the next year he's supernova and won the Heisman. And so you've got this other entrant into the party that now is getting launched up here. And we did that with Michael Penix Jr. for that college football playoff semifinal game before we kind of level set on that. Bo Nix has never really gotten the hype train out of the station yet, but it's early in draft season. So I just think part of it is also we didn't have our eyes trained on some other guys because a lot of people didn't watch North Carolina football for the last couple of years because they either just ignore the ACC or because this last season they were underperforming. I really thought you were going to sing we didn't start the fire. I just thought the way the way you said we didn't, I thought we were going to get some Billy Joel going. All right, so uh, Nate Tice, by the way, our uh, our buddy, uh, has, last time I talked to him, had Drake May ranked as what he thought would be the first overall pick. So I will ask you to do the impossible now, Mike. Uh, rank the top three quarterbacks for me. One, two, three. What order do you have them right now? Mike Golick Jr.'s order. <sighs> yeah, right now, uh, and again, I'm, I'm just getting started with all this. I would give the tie to the runner and say 1A would be Caleb, 1B would be Drake May, and then three would have Jaden Daniels at that spot. And that's a lot on the respect I have for a guy like Field Gates to go out and say that and put that on wax because I was a firm believer that this class was Caleb, Drake, and then a pretty sizable gap before we got to the next guy in terms of actual draft status, not where they'd be taken because this is a league, to your point, that's very thirsty for quarterback. If I was uh, my beloved Raiders or anybody picking in the middle of the first round, anybody picking in the middle of the first round, and I'll let you take each of these one at a time. I'm coming to the Bears and I offer the Bears three first rounders and two second rounders to move up to the number one overall pick. Would you take that? Who? Three first, two seconds. That's what San Francisco gave up, I think. Uh, that's what San Francisco gave up for Trey Lance, feels right. Three first, two seconds. I'd think long and hard about it, but at the end of the day, if I was the Chicago Bears, I would probably still make the switch here just because I think you're in a perfect position to finally do this. And I think you're going to be able to recoup some value for Justin Fields. It's not going to be that kind of haul, but I think you're still going to be able to get something for that guy. And you've already got a bunch of first round draft capital in this draft. You've got an ability to kind of do what Houston did last year and potentially get a couple of game changers in the first round that can change the course of your franchise. The difference is, you know, it's Matt Eberflus running it back. And while there were some strides made at the end of last season, it's a coach that's walking into this year very, very much on the hot seat. So it makes it a little precarious with that kind of price tag. You got to think about it. But my general position on this draft has been, Hey, you need to reset the clock with one of these prospects. That's a guy that was in the caliber that Justin Fields was when he was coming out of the draft, but doesn't have now multiple years of people poorly wiring him for the NFL with all the coordinator changes and the bad foundation that was going on around him. That just makes it increasingly less likely that a player like Justin Fields at this point in his career with that same organization, organization is going to have a high likelihood of becoming the guy you drafted him to be. He still could be successful elsewhere, but I just think based on what's already happened, Chicago has not done their part and Justin's not done his part in certain extents. He has improved in areas we would hope he would have, but I just think it's time for a fresh start. And while you've got this opportunity, that value, that value proposition of already being at the first pick to me is just too much to pass up. Yeah, I'm not sure you can pass up on the first overall pick multiple years. I'm not sure when you're a franchise that has not had 
a bankable, oh my God, quarterback, uh, maybe ever, right? Like if we're, if we're going to say since Jim McMahon, right? Like I think that these are all variables that play into the consideration that the Bears have to play into here. So I think that there's nothing. If I'm the Bears, there's nothing I would take that moves me off the number one overall pick. So same exercise, three first and two seconds for Washington's second overall pick. You're Washington. You've got a new coach coming in. You've got a new regime coming in. You've got new ownership that needs to figure out how to sell the commanders to a fan base. In my mind, Mike, I'm saying no to any trades because second overall means I get a, uh, I get the quarterback. I get the billboard out of it. Uh, I offer you three first two seconds. You taking that to move out of the second overall slot for Washington? Um, I'm probably less likely, although I would say Washington does have, I think, a lot more in terms of need at this point. Like the one thing we saw for Chicago by the end of last season is offensive line and some of their draft picks over the last couple of years. And Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright had started to look pretty good. And that group had looked improved over the course of the year. Defensively, they brought in Montez Sweat, and that really helped stabilize a lot of things up front. The foundation started to look like it was set in a lot better place for Washington especially defensively. You mortgaged a lot of that away, traded it away at the deadline last year. Offensively, we saw it was a struggle to keep Sam Howell upright, and he's just not a guy of the future. So again, you hope that the new regime is able to come in and pay immediate dividends. And while the Washington head coaching shirts was a bit of a mess and played out so publicly, you ended up with a competent adult in the room in Dan Quinn. And so I do think while you've got, again, this opportunity at the top of the draft, you probably don't want to mess that up unless listen, your head coach and the evaluators on the staff look at those quarterbacks and don't feel the same way privately about them that we all seem to publicly right now, then you've got to consider it. But I generally tend to think even still with everything we've seen about built up rosters like San Francisco and trying to create the soft landing spot for quarterbacks, man, your easiest path to success is still finding a dude there and then being able to fill around him once you've answered the toughest question. Yeah, I agree. And I just don't see any way that Washington can do it. Also, quickly, I will say in Vegas, multiple people told me that the number three pick might be out there. So we'll see. New England could be the exception to this. Maybe New England is a team that looks at it and says, hey, we're pressing reset. We know it's going to take a minute. Gerard Mayo's got all the time he needs. Maybe New England is a place to move up. But, man, I'm just telling you, there are enough teams. I'm not even just talking about that. There are enough teams in the middle of the draft that need a quarterback. Somebody will, if, if any of the three of them are taking phone calls, somebody will pay a king's ransom. All right, let's get into some free agency fun because we are about three weeks, uh, three weeks from today away from the start of free agency. So we figure uh, we'll do a little draft here. We're going to put together a free agency team. We each get a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. You know the drill. On the defensive side, we've got defensive line, linebacker, corner, and safety. We're going to put together a little team. Each of us are going to team, and we'll see who puts together the better team. You could, sir, are the guest on this show. So I will let you pick from any of the free agents that you'd like. You may have the first pick in the free agent draft, the Gojo and Fitz free agent draft uh, gaffe, uh, because this whole thing is going to be a gaffe. Uh, you get to pick first. Who would you take first with your? And remember, it's not just who the best player is. There's sometimes you got to look at, uh, at war. You're like wins above replacement. Like some of these position groups aren't as deep as others. So I'm curious to see who gets your first overall pick. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that makes the first overall pick easy, right? If I'm trying to build the best team and I understand injuries, a fact you got to count for here, but I'm probably going to take Kirk Cousins like you know, you look at the rest of the quarterback class from this year, and it's a lot of guys that might honestly, outside of Baker Mayfield, who I think the Bucks should resign, be contenders for guys that are backup jobs and a high end backup jobs, guys that would absolutely come in and help elevate a team there. But Kirk Cousins is a guy that when healthy is still playing high end starter ball. Aha. Aha. You fell for my trap. 
I talked you into taking the quarterback because I really wanted to take Chris Jones, even though he's old, like, even though he's old, you just want to talk about the guy that like, no matter what, you're going to give him as much money as it takes for the next couple of years. You're going to give him a short term deal. That's just, just jacked with a bunch of cash on it. And you're hoping like, it's so hard right now to find interior pressure, the way he gives it, the way he creates it. And then I just keep thinking about what he did in the Super Bowl. A couple of his plays are the reason that Kansas city is sitting here as Super Bowl champions. So even though there's some really good D linemen, I think this is actually a, stacked uh, a stacked free agency class I will say that uh, because you already took a quarterback off the board and I don't have to worry about that I'll go with Chris Jones and I'll, I'll pretend that I was the smartest person in the room which means you're now up next with whatever you would like to pick all right well all right you so you went defense there I am gonna go let's see go the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball there's some big names on the defensive side of the ball huh? I'm trying to see, I'm thinking about like team, like positional value for my team overall. I'll go Josh Allen from the uh, Jacksonville mm. Jaguars there. I, I think that Josh Allen pick is a really good pick. And by the way, uh, Josh has, has been, he's part of this era right now. I think of pass rushers. You tell me what you think. There are so many Miles Garrett's and Max Crosby's in the league right now. We're forgetting the Josh Allen's of the world. Uh, like Brian Burns is somebody else that I think is out there. Obviously he wanted a ton of money, you know, but there's a group of guys this year. And when you look at the sack numbers, like you got Josh Allen, Burns, Dupree, Yannick Ngakwe, who's put up sacks everywhere. He's gone. Like everywhere he's gone, he has had some level of production. Like these are all guys that I think in most free agent markets would be absolute needle movers. But because we've become so accustomed to what TJ Watt is doing and Max Crosby's doing and Miles Garrett's doing, like we're almost forgetting about that next level of pass rusher that's still getting you eight sacks well and i mean forget eight josh allen what was 17 yeah. and a half this last year i think he's in the last three years sixth in pressures and 10th in sacks in the nfl he's been remarkably consistent on a defense last year that was still waiting for you know uh trevon walker opposite him to fully come online and by the end of the season was a lot more uh close to that but josh has really had to shoulder the load he's only 26 years old so i feel pretty good about that yeah and, and you're right i i should actually lump him into a different conversation all the way uh with burns and some of these guys it's about like a know your worth i think one thing that your generation you you youngins out there always talk about you know, I know my worth. That's one thing I think we have to understand with pass rushers. Like there are certain positions in the NFL right now that understand that their value has grown and their impact has grown. Right. So like, I feel like D line wide receiver, uh, wide receivers have always known it, but they're loud about it. They chirp about it. When you look at the way the salary cap breaks down right now, if you're an edge rusher that can get after the quarterback, if you're, a, if you're an impact D lineman, you're going to get paid, right? Like there's no way you're walking away from the table with anything less than epic money. I'm not giving away any more of my strategy now. Make your pick. You're trying to you're trying to goad me into analysis that's going to inform the rest of the direction of my draft here. And I'm not giving it to you. Oh, look, so we both have a defensive lineman. I don't have to take a quarterback uh, for a minute. Uh, I I can have a little bit of fun here and take a look. Oh man! So the thing of it is, I'm. Ooh, this gets tougher than I thought it was. Gonna, I, I really thought I knew where I was going to go. Patrick Queen, linebacker. I'm going to go Patrick. I'm building defense. I'm I'm going Patrick Queen, linebacker. I want. I, I know. All right, you're looking a little surprised uh, there. Uh, you don't like this pick, Mike? Why don't you like this pick? 
No, so I, I like where this pick comes from because I think there's a conversation I've heard Mina Kimes and others start about the premium that's going to be placed on off-ball linebacker in the current NFL because we've got offenses exploiting this market inefficiency of lighter defenses that have responded to what was an expanding 11 personnel passing league and now kind of wants to beat you up with the run a little bit more. And so a guy like Patrick Queen certainly value there, but I also think, all right, we saw a lot of his best snaps come when Roquan Smith came over mm. to that team and really unlocked him. Patrick Queen's a guy phenomenal when he's going at the quarterback, great blitzing linebacker in a league that's starting to really adopt a lot of like those Mike McDonald defense simulated pressures where you're trying to add a rusher from a different spot. Patrick can absolutely give you reps there. Just, it m- might be a little rich for my blood, but that's all right. That's your I pick. Like it's I, your team. I feel like I made a mistake. I feel like there was another name ah. I should have put in, but I'm not going to say it. Cause I know where I want to go and I'm <laughs> hoping you don't. All right. So you're up next. Where are you going? Uh, Legereus need son of a biscuit. That's what I, yeah. I literally, as I said it, I looked at our doc that has this and I was like, how did I not put Sneed in there? You're I mean, future, baby. future, future Las Vegas Raider, Legereus Sneed. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, I, 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 the way I look at football is I tie everything starting with the quarterback and then I work away from that. And it's, can you protect the quarterback? Can you get after the quarterback? And can you hold it up on the back end coverage and uh, pass rush are so closely tied together. So I'll get Josh Allen up front, rushing the passer from the edge. I'll get Legereus Sneed on the back end. Who's proven a very valuable top end corner in this league, probably going to be worth about $18 million a year going forward. There's a potential the chiefs could franchise tag him, but that gets messy with Chris Jones and some of the other stuff there. But if I'm just looking on talent, the guys earned the payday and I can count on him to go out here and strap folks up. You know, I, I, I failed my whole team. I, I did. I failed everybody in this process. I failed America. I failed my God, my country. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't done the work that I needed to do right there. I feel like I let everybody down. Uh, all right. So that puts me back on the clock. I don't have to take a corner cause you just did. Um, so I'm going to take Winfield. I'll take safety. I'm building defense. I'm going all defense here, right? I, like you can tell that I just watched the chiefs win a championship with a, an incredible quarterback and a, a, you know, and everything else was about the defensive side of the ball. I'm, I'm at this point obsessed defensively. So I'll take Winfield out of this just because I think frankly, the safety market this year has some good, not as much great. And he stands out to me as great. Like he's somebody that when he is signed day one to a massive contract, I don't think there's a lot you can question about it. No, absolute stud. Completely agree. This is one I I was eyeing probably for my next pick to try and build out the defensive backfield. And Jason, you're not wrong to build down the spine of your defense. Again, in this new NFL world order, this is an increasingly important area with a lot of teams that have incredibly dynamic running backs, incredibly dynamic tight ends playing in this team that want to attack the middle of the field with the Shanahan McVay offenses. So I get it. All right. Well, you know, I, I think you're just sort of giving me a little sympathy along the way. I think that's what's happening here. I'm still mad that I didn't turn in the luxurious need card. Uh, I, I fired myself. All right, you're up next. Who do you got? All right. This is a tough one. Do I want to go back to offense or do I want to find why well, I want to wrap up the defense here? I'm going to go and I'm going to wrap up defense with uh, I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins. Mm, that's a good pick. D tackle. It's it's so it's tough because obviously him and Justin Matabike are both going to be guys that get talked about about Matabike is two years younger than he is coming off 13 and a half sack season. He was the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces of a Baltimore death star defense. But I just think for Christian Wilkins, there is something to we've seen this success over multiple years now at a high level in two very different defenses, like with what Brian Flores ran two years ago and then what Vic Fangio asked them to do this year for this guy to stay 
still be as productive as he is. And you've, we've seen him be productive as a run stopper in the past, but having an interior player who can be on the field, if you've got lighter box looks and you need more guys that man up the run, but also gives you a ton of pass rush production, hard to pass up. I'll go Christian. Yeah. And it's funny because the next name you mentioned is who I will go with next on this. I mean, uh, well, can I, can I go Matabike here? Or do I have to, that gives me a lot of interior defensive line. Is that allowed? Or do I need to go with an edge rusher at this point? Since Chris Jones, brother, is taking, brother it's your draft. I can't uh, make you do anything. I mean, that is fair. It is my, I don't know how many D linemen were taken at this point, you know, probably should have thought about that before we, uh, we started this. So I, you know what I'll say, yeah, I'll take Matabike just because he was on my list anyway. And, uh, uh, for everything you just mentioned, also rare for somebody his age to hit the market the way he's going to hit it right now. So uh, I think that 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 was where I was going to go anyway before you mentioned Wilkins. So I feel good about that. I'm just not sure if I'm actually following the rules, but yeah, I mean, Stone hasn't told me our producer extraordinaire hasn't told me I'm breaking them. So therefore, Matabike is the pick and I feel good about it. You're up next. All right. All right, there you go. I like I like the fact that we get to build this team with absolutely zero worry about the salary cap being involved. So oh, I God, can yeah, say yeah, I'm yeah. gonna so I'm gonna take T. Higgins and feel very good about <laughs> the 20 24 year old wide receiver here that is probably gonna, you know, command a pretty steep I mean, more than likely, again, in reality, gonna probably get tagged by Cincinnati, who's probably gonna be able to keep most of their core skill guys together for at least one more year as they figure out what they're gonna do with Jamar Chase. But yeah, give me T. Higgins, it, it's a tough back and forth fourth for me between him and Mike Evans because obviously Mike Evans has the benefit of being far more productive for a very long time 10 straight thousand yard seasons no real sign of slowing down right now but I just think 24 at that position is a little hard to pass up yeah no that's a trash pick by you uh and mostly because you're taking a number two wide receiver presuming that he's going to become a number one wide receiver when I'm just going to take the one wide receiver that's right there for me Evans is the pick right like now that the run on wide receivers has started I'll go with Mike Evans and it's simply for the reason you just said I mean when you talk about production at the highest possible level hell I haven't even figured out who's throwing him the football yet and I don't really care like I I have not addressed quarterback at this point uh, but I will address wide receiver I will say before we and and we'll I'm sure pick more wide receivers through this process the wide receiver group this year is stacked and it's impactful but Mike this becomes really interesting to me because it's stacked and impactful but let's also be real the wide receiver draft class this year is stacked. So it's going to be a real test of how GMs think team building needs to be done at this point, because you got two ways to go. You can spend all the money in the world to get you a T Higgins, or you can presume that you're going to get one of these first round guys. And there are several of them. There's like this year, there are several guys that are plug and play day one starters at the wide receiver position in the draft. So I'm genuinely interested to see if that freezes some of the free agency market when it all opens. Oh, I I think outside of really those top couple names in T Higgins and then, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be in there. Mike Evans is going to be there. But the wide receiver market's kind of been pretty flatlined for a while, largely because of what you said. They're running into the running back problem where you've got high school, college football that for a long time have been moving to more of a seven on seven format, which has meant a lot of players who have seen, hey, running back place that's kind of got a log jam. I've always said the most accessible body type on the football field because that position can have a wide range of physical attributes and still be highly effective. Some people have migrated over to wide receiver and we've seen a ton of them come out because they're all prepared. They've been doing seven on seven reps since they were 13, 14 years old. But now we're getting to the point where, yeah, you're getting the same problem where you're inundated with quality, young, cheap players every year at the position. Yeah. And and you're right. Like I think it's not going to really change the value of Evans. It's certainly not going to change 
change the value of T. Higgins. I think where it gets interesting to me is the other name you mentioned. Pittman is somebody that I think most of us really love and, and feels like he's growing into a really nice player. Are you going to pay Pittman epic wide receiver free agency money or are you just going to see where the draft like he's he to me is sort of the line in the sand to figure out uh, where it goes so uh you are on the clock after i've taken mike evans where you want to go with your next pick all right let's see hmm. all right so i've got edge corner d tackle wide receiver and quarterback all locked up i mean you haven't taken a high quality linebacker you haven't taken a high quality safety uh, you, there's more defensive line work to be done. We're all looking at the tight end class like it's, you know, a bad horror movie. We're waiting until it comes out on video. Apparently, we're like, we're just, we're, we're holding back on that one. So, you know, I, well, the, and I mean, we've got the running back conversation to have at some point too, which is really interesting. And I think there's a reason neither of us has even brought up that position all that much yet. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, this is the moment, and it is funny if you were playing Madden. The running back position looks absolutely spectacular. If you're building your team, just we'll just wait. We'll just see how it goes. I mean, again, if we're going to go position redundancy here, no one's touch him. Give me Brian Burns. Oh my I God. Mean, I'll have him and Josh. I mean, you got, you got no edge guys on your team. And I have, I, I think I would argue the two top free agents in this class on mine. Okay, fine. I'll give you Burns. I'll give you Burns. That's fine. And look, Burns, obviously this year, there was a lot of conversation. Was he going to get traded? Was he not going to get traded? Uh, what were they going to do with him financially? And I, I, I think people need to understand that the financial par- portion of this, we said, know your worth earlier. The fact that Burns has been very set and I know my worth is a part of the reason he's even sitting where he is right now. Like this is not one of those examples of he's hitting the market because they didn't want him. This is one of those examples of he's hitting the market because he's very clear on what he thinks he should make. And he's not going to take less than that. So like, I, I think sometimes free agency is viewed as a bit of a, a black mark for some of the players that hit it. I think this is more of a financial mark. So he's had at least, I guess, at least eight sacks every year since 2020, 12 and a half in 2022, which is the high water mark. So you could say, hey, you probably want a little bit more production out of your star high end pass rusher. But that's also been a team that's been been going through it, to say the least. And physical freak again, another guy, I think he's like 25, 26 years old. So I'll take young, incredibly bendy, rare athlete edge rusher any day on my team. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I, uh, look, I I'm confident that I can take care of the edge rusher right here. And I'm going to do it with the name I mentioned earlier. Yannick Ngakwe is an easy one for me to pick up. And I don't like, it is hard for me to figure out if you go back and look at his, his rookie year, eight sacks since then eight, 12, nine and a half, eight, uh, the following year, what was 16 sacks, 10 sacks for the Raiders, nine and a half sacks. Now he only had four sacks last year for Chicago, but every single place he goes, he puts up huge numbers. I, I don't understand. I don't know what happens with Yannick Ngakwe in a locker room that nobody wants anything to do with him, but the production on the field is that. So since I'm, since I'm just doing this on paper and I don't have to worry about guys gelling in the locker room, that's the only reason like I have no working knowledge. I just know that when you get after the quarterback, you rarely are let go. Multiple teams have let Yannick go. Every, every time he hits the market, they're like, nah, we're good. We're good. And all he does is go somewhere else and get a bunch of sacks. So I feel good that I just put Ngakwe on here. Him and Brandon Cooks are an incredible case study of players at pretty valuable positions who have always performed well, who are going to have an issue gear closet full of a variety of stuff by the time their careers are over. Yeah. Uh, oh, do you get to keep that? I've always like you get to keep whatever you have, right? Like you. you oh, yeah, just- dude, I have so much stolen valor NFL gear like I didn't 
play in a regular season game. I wasn't on a practice squad and I still left with, a, you get to take whatever you want out of those situations. So like, it's not like I wear a bunch of it around town because I didn't actually play for these teams, but it makes great throwaway workout gear or beater gear while you're sitting at home. Wait, you don't, you don't run around in your saints gear from your, your time in saints training camp. Like I think you could. No, I don't think I could. No, I mean, I don't think I could. can you, do you still have your Jersey from the saints days? No, that was one thing I never like got. And I had no interest. Cause again, like I didn't actually play for them. I kept the stuff that was comfy. Like I've got a really nice NFL crew neck that I wear as like an, uh, like a warm up shirt when I go to work out at certain places and I'm just trying to get warm. It's still to this day, incredibly comfy fits like a glove, despite the fact that I had it when I was 300 pounds. So I kept stuff like that. That was more useful and comfy, but no, I don't have anything like displayed in my house. I got Notre Dame jerseys places. That's all well, I really have. I know you have the Notre Dame stuff i'm just saying that while you didn't actually appear in a game for the saints you did get beat up on the practice field for him doesn't like getting you know getting your head smashed in by actual nfl players doesn't that afford you the opportunity to keep a jersey with your name on it no nah, my compromise is every once in a while i can go back in and use one of those old getty images pics of me from a preseason game somewhere especially if it's a picture where i look particularly tough knowing full well again i'm not trying to front like i was something i'm not but those pictures are really cool when i looked beefy and strong i like to remember that from time to time we got plenty of picks to go plus we'll explain why we're avoiding the running back position that's all coming up when we come back Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, so the draft is going through, uh, and and so far, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say that I'm kicking your ass. I I mean, I just there, there's no no bias here at all. I just have a better wide receiver and a better defense overall. I'm still I'm still a little burnt by the Legereus Sneed thing though. Like I, I failed I failed my team. I failed everybody. Uh, Mike, we'll continue the draft going, but let's talk before uh, because at this point you are on the clock. Let's talk about the running back position. I'm not trying to pin you into drafting one. Let me be clear. I just think we should have a conversation here because I'll read you these names. Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler. Those are the names that are in our doc for consideration in the draft of the free agency period. When you think about that, Mike, like it's I know we all know that the position is devalued. I'm not an idiot, despite popular opinion. Like I get that. But there's a difference between devalued and a holy smokes. I cannot believe th this list of names. Like these are all people that have had and continue to have some level of success in the NFL and their brand, their name has some level of meaning. Yeah, they do. But we talked about this with wide receiver. It's tough when, hey, you look up at the Super Bowl this year. The Super Bowl is the perfect case study for why the running back spot is such a difficult eval. Because we all saw in the postseason it was important. Jameer Gibbs was incredible. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in that backfield for the Packers were incredible in different spots for that team and that run game that was super important. And then you get to the Super Bowl and you had Christian McCaffrey, who's the best running back in the NFL and the highest paid running back in the NFL. And on the other side, Isaiah Pacheco is a former seventh round pick. 
Both of them were integral to their team. Both of them had stretches where they were really, you know, Christian was the you know, offensive player of the year. He's the best running back in the NFL by far. But Pacheco was a really important part of a ground game that had started to become this huge piece of what the Chiefs were known for. And he was a seventh round pick. And we've seen those littered all over the league. So it makes us tough. Where's the line, though, between like, look, I want great players and I got to win games. And and again, I'll, I'll just wear my Raiders fandom for a second. I've watched a team, my favorite team, for the last two years with one of the best running backs in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Three positions of absolute dominance, and it got them six wins a couple of years ago and eight wins last year. Like, you ain't winning games. But then the other side of it is you got to have talent to win games. So, like, I'm not even sure what the hell you're supposed to do. Like, what? where is the line between I want to have a great player and I need to have a great team? Because great players, other than Patrick Mahomes, don't seem to be enough to win you football games. So... The NFL is always really interesting when it comes to how you want to phrase it like that, because you're at the mercy in a salary cap league of the the specific talents of the specific bodies that are available to you on your team. Like you're always accounting for resources differently. And so I think running backs right now, I, I always thought a lot of the future of the position for high end players who were productive, young in the middle of their twenties and had largely avoided serious injury. I thought what was going to be predictive was the Derrick Henry contract. The most recent one that he signed where it was what, like the 12, 12 and a half million dollar a year range. So you're a little bit North of the tag for that position. You give them the security of a few years. You lock them up in the middle of what are the most productive years by far from like 25 to 28. And I think if you were an NFL team that was smart and had a guy like that in the building, you would have been wise to sort of read the tea leaves of what's to come, because this is a league that I think is going to see for at least the next couple of years and added emphasis on the run game in important moments, because we've seen this shift defensively where guys have gotten smaller in the middle. And so a lot of teams had trouble. We saw in the postseason a lot of really good high end defenses had trouble stopping that up the middle. And if you got a guy you can count on at a manageable number, it helps, but you've got to be at the mature enough place in your team life cycle to make that happen. What happened with Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco was the perfect way to underscore that he is no doubt one of the best offensive players in the NFL and in Carolina, that didn't matter because their roster wasn't mature enough to support that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because some of these names that we'll get to as we draft, you look at it, you're like, man, perfect fit for Buffalo, right? Like perfect fit for a team that needs to be able to run the football. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see like Austin Eckler is somebody that is just, he's won people fantasy leagues for years. And, and, you know, at at that point, like this is a reminder, it's real football, not fantasy football. Like as, as cliche as that all sounds like I wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Eckler take a mid range deal to go be part of a running back by committee situation. And that's far different than it looked a year ago. Like I, I, I mean, does Josh Jacobs go back and become part of a running back by committee situation. Like these are just, these are real conversations about guys that they're not old. They're not worn out. Derrick Henry being the exception. He's had the most wear on his tires, but the rest of this class, we're not talking about old guys that can't play. No, we're not. And they'll all find homes. But to your point, I think it's also going to be last year. We had the running back zoom conversation and they're reckoning about what their value was. I wonder now if that they've seen, Hey, it's been a pretty resounding. No, from most of the league. If some of these guys will say, Hey, I'll take a little bit less money. 
I'll try and see if I can get it out over multiple years and I'll try and get on a contender where I'm not going to have to take as many hits. And I'll say, Hey, if I'm not going to get bell cow money, let me go to a place where I don't have to be a bell cow. Like you mentioned Austin Eckler and Buffalo, not too long before that. Like imagine a running back with that kind of optionality in an offense with Josh Allen involved, where he's a run threat that takes some of that, you know, the burden off the back there. And you've got a guy who's a great passing option out of the backfield now in a way that we saw last year with Joe Brady became a huge source of their offense in the back half of the season. All right. So it is your pick, my friend. You are still up. Who would you like next uh, on your on your draft? All right. My most recent pick was Brian Burns. You know, I'll go Josh Jacobs here. Youngest of the bunch. Get him locked up for a few years. We'll have our running back taken care of. You know, I I like that. And by the way, Josh, I, I think we have to look at some of the things that went wrong this year. Uh, offensively around him to explain some of the dip in production. I, I, that's only a fair conversation to have uh, the amount of stack boxes he faced, the terrible quarterback play for the majority of the season and the bad offensive play calling like you, the, you're not going to change that in the middle of the season. So I think that's, that's fair. I do not yet have a corner. And so I am going to go corner, but here's the thing. I, you know, look, Stone, producer extraordinaire, follow him on Twitter at SJ Rochelle, put this list together, but he left a corner's name off. And I, I you know, I, look, I mean, you call this cheating if you want, but I'm just going to go to the list that I know is there because Jalen Johnson from the Bears, not on the list, absolutely going to be a starting corner somewhere next year. So I make up for the Legereus Sneed uh, slight by cheating and taking somebody that somehow didn't make it on the dock, but is still at the level. I'm, I'm just apologizing in advance. Mike, because I've gone off the dock here, but Jalen Johnson is is going to be my pick. I, that's a, I'm getting a, I'm getting a starting corner. I, I like, look, you know, he's had some injury issues and uh, some up and down, but uh, yeah, coming off of a massive year this year. Come on, let's go. No, it's a great pick. It's a young player. I listen. Have I been looking around on the internet for some uh, for some prospects that are off the sheet? Yeah, so I don't begrudge you that. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, look at that. I'm just I felt bad. I felt bad. I no longer feel bad. And by the way, again, I think this is just I'm offensive averse or I'm hurt offensively because at this point I've taken a D lineman, a linebacker, a safety, another D lineman, another D lineman, and a corner. I've only drafted one offensive player so far, Mike. I I'm embarrassed with myself at this point. I'm not going to be able to score on anybody. No, it's going to be pretty tough for you there, but uh, good (laughs) news is there's still time and plenty of players and hell, we saw defense win a championship this year. I mean, I know everyone says that and it's the cliche, but the Kansas city chiefs defense is the reason they stayed in that game long enough for the offense to make a play and go win this thing. So it's not a bad strategy at the juncture we're at right now, considering the best team in football just did it. All right. So you are back on the clock. Uh, and now I know you're scouring the worldwide interweb. So I'm, I'm afraid of what's coming next, but who do you got next? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to lock up my other cornerback spot and go Kendall fuller from there. Okay. A little bit, little bit longer in the tooth, but guy that can lock down that other side, have my defensive back room taken care of. So I've got pass rushing D-line on lockdown. I've got two corners both ready to work here now. i got a pass rushing D-tackle on the inside. I feel pretty good. Uh, you should. I mean, that's a, that's a darn good defense there. Um, I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball, and this one's tough. I'm actually going to go with the running back. I'm going to take Derrick Henry. And that's mm. tough for me because Saquon is Saquon. And we all know that uh, Derrick Henry has gotten the ball a lot. But I, when I say 
trash for the offensive line for the Titans last year. I think that's being generous. And he still was the one thing you could sort of rely on for the Titans. Like, I, I'm pretty convinced, Mike, you could put on a Titans jersey today and probably start at guard somewhere, somewhere on that offensive line. It was that bad this year. That's not a compliment to you. That's a statement to the Titans offensive line. So I feel like if you put Derrick Henry behind a competent offensive line, and I'm presuming since we're not drafting O-linemen that I've got a great offensive line, uh, I still like the ability for Derrick Henry, even though he's a little long in the tooth, I, I only need him for one year in this exercise. I don't need him forever. I just need him to come out and have the year of his life. I think he can do that. So I take him over Saquon, but I can see going either way on it. Yeah. The Saquon conversation just gets tough because unfortunately injury has been a comp part of the conversation with him more often than any of us would have loved to have seen for a player of his caliber. Yeah. So that, uh, and there's still some good, like some really good on this list. Where are you going next for yours? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? Just to mix it up and get another part of the conversation in here. Let me see how let me just check the age on this one guy. I'm Ooh. trying to make sure that I have a, a relatively young roster in here. You know what? I'll just uh, so we can mix in a little bit here. We've talked about this. I'll go Dalton Schultz. Been a remarkably reliable tight end option in the league for a while now. I really liked him in the middle of that Houston offense this last year. And so I'll go Dalton. All right. I, that Dalton is our first tight end off the board. Uh, Dalton Schultz. I, I like in that a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know that there's a ton in this tight end free agency class that I love. Uh, so I'm just going to avoid it uh, like a coward. I will go with Pittman next is my next wide receiver. And cool. that's just to get the wide receiver room built. So I've got Evans and Pittman. I, I wish I had a little bit more, you know, barn burner. Oh, my God, speed out of that. But I will take uh, Pittman and Evans uh, with whoever's throwing the, the ball to them. Feel pretty good about that. In my wide receiver room. So we are now back to you. Good, sir. All right. So you've got your wide receiver room taken care of here at this yes, point. I'm done. You're good there. All right. I need to get a start here. I'll go. Um, I'd love to take Levante David, but 33 is just pretty old for, for that. And still very productive player. Respect the hell out of him. I'll go. If we're going to do linebacker, I need to finally get one off the board here. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Frankie Louvu from the Carolina Panthers. He's also off the dock here, but young was kind of like the football hipster darling from last year. I'm not going to lie. I didn't pay much attention to the Carolina Panthers defense this last season, but I'll take a young guy who is well-regarded by enough people. I trust. No, that's that's okay. That's a really good. That's a really good. I can't even critique that that's a really good I call because neither of us have watched all that yeah. much Frankie Louvu but no. I know enough smart people that before the season were like Frankie Louvu pretty good football player and so I'm willing to go on last year's reputation to buy here because the rest of this linebacker free agent class doesn't totally blow me away yeah look you're not wrong uh and all of this I think we're all going to be taking somebody that we're like sure yeah out of the linebackers uh, except for Patrick Queen, who is a well-deserving second overall pick. Uh, all right. So that puts me back on the board. I need one more D lineman. And I am a little nervous about the way the D line is packing out. So even though, again, he did not make our list, Daniel Hunter uh, Vikings is going to be my last D lineman. So it gives me some, Oh, he is on the list. I didn't see him there. Hunter makes, uh, makes the list for me. So that's my 14. I'm, I'm trying to basically get some people at this point that can, I'm trusting Chris Jones to be basically everything in the middle of it. And everybody else is just going to be sort of positionless. I'm playing positionless defense, Mike. That's what we're doing. I'm going NBA style with my D line. 
All right. So just to be clear, your D line has Justin Matabike, Daniil Hunter, Chris Jones, and Yannick Yannick Ngakwe. Okay. All right. So I need one more on the D line, but you're done picking there. So I don't really have to worry about that now. Um, Honorable also, mention for me went to Chase Young, but I just don't know if I like. I, I just don't like Chase and Chase Young. I I always go back to the moment you and I were standing on the sidelines, Nebraska, oh. Ohio State, and he walked by you and a couple other former players, and somebody standing next to us just said, "My God!" And you said, "He's huge." And I'm looking at all these guys that played high level football, and I'm like, "If y'all say he's huge, like I just can't get that baked out of my mind." Like I've seen Chris Young, uh, Chris Young. I've seen Chase Young. I've seen both of them. Chase Young far more imposing than Chris Young. Uh, Chase Young up close personal very scary no it is a confirmed big scary man so i uh, don't want any problems with him but yeah the vibes were really off at the end of that season there ended up having a pretty good super bowl sack early in that game was pretty effective especially against the chiefs tackles that we know were a little bit of struggle so shout out to him uh i won't go there now though because i don't believe i have a safety yet at this point so i'll go uh i'll go kyle duggar from the patriots i'll go smart versatile more box safety than anything else but big guy former first round pick has been pretty solid smart guy that's had to play in a smart guy defense never wrong never wrong having that in your room uh, I like that um, I need a second corner um, and because I have Jalen Johnson who is young I will then take Stephon Gilmore who is old I will I will take old to mentor young and I will put the two of them together in one secondary that's an easy pick for me uh, Gilmore gives me a little bit of experience back there to help with this process I like that you're back up so I need another safety, another linebacker and another wide receiver. And then I'm done. So uh, next, <laughs> you know what? Next linebacker, I'll bring Levante David in the room. I'll have an old uh, guy to mentor a young guy again. Damn. That was he's pro. He's pro- mm. God, you know what? Hold on. Because him and Bobby Wagner, that's really coming towards the end, really coming towards the end of it there. I don't think I trust Devin White without Levante David's mentorship there. I just need one more quick Google on this. This is great podcasting, by the way, to make everyone sit around here and wait for me to figure out how old Willie Gay is. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, 26. Oh, man. Oof. Ooh, Jordan Brooks is up here, too, though especially when healthy, like what he had done there. I'll go Willie Gay, though. What the hell? I'll, t- I'll get a chief in the mix. All right. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was going to go with Devin White, so I'm just going to make that easy and get my second white, my second linebacker out with Devin White. I'm with you, a little up and down, and I'm the first to admit there are certain guys that when they came into the league exploded so much that everybody still sees them some kind of way. I feel like in some ways that's Devin White. Like the 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 name Devin White carries more weight than the play Devin White did this year particularly. But uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take Devin there. I feel good about that. One of okay, one huh? of two Devins in that linebacker class with him and Devin Bush that I believe were both drafted in the first round. And I think Devin White was the horse guy, if I remember right. No, oh, he was the I, guy that was really into riding horses. So incredibly athletic. That is that is a fun fact. I mean, I'm sure we did that draft together, and that shows you that A, drugs are bad, and B, my short-term memory is just shock because I don't remember that. All right, there we go. Uh, Put you back up, and what do you you, – you're almost done. We're both almost done. I mean, I still have to take a quarterback and um, a tight end, so that's all I have left. I think you have – so that means you probably have two left? Do you have two left? 
I have two left. I need another wide receiver and I need another, um, I need another safety. So safety I'll go. Give me Geno stone. Good Baltimore DNA guy that for a while led the NFL in interceptions this season from the safety spot and a good dude. We had him on Gojo and Golik, which you can check out on the DraftKings network, uh, Monday through Friday from eight to 10 AM Eastern and, uh, was an awesome dude. So I'll get him on my team. Good locker room guy. Again, comes from a defense where you had good, smart, uh, smart neck up stuff that was expected of these guys. A lot of moving parts. I would like to imagine in my defense, we're going to run a lot of the Mike McDonald stuff there. We're going to be, and this is to steal from Dominique Foxworth words that make you sound sound smart talking about football we're going to be incredibly multiple we're going to be an attacking defense we're going to mix a lot of simulated pressures in there we're going to ask our safeties to go out here and help stop some of these great tight ends around the league and so having a geno stone around there certainly helps all right that that's i, I like that by you you gave me all the coach speak i could ever handle and i kind of want to vomit now uh, all right i gotta take a tight end i don't love any of them so i'm just going back to what tight end did i think uh, was some kind of special coming out of college. So I'll go Noah Fant. Like, I like Noah Fant coming out of college. I don't think that Noah Fant's turned out to be anything necessarily. Like, nobody's throwing parades up and down the street for signing Noah Fant at this point. But I will take Noah Fant, and I will hope that in modern offense, you know, especially, again, though, like, my, my offense is lacking some element of take the top off. I mean, no disrespect to the speed of Pittman and Evans, but I got Pittman, Evans, and Fant. Like, they're playing, they're playing, and I got Derrick Henry. I'm basically telling the whole team to just stack we're going to grind this game to a damn halt, Mike. That's what we're going to do. We're going to grind it to a halt. Yeah, but I just don't think that this is also a free agent wide receiver class that's got a ton of burner to it. Like, I'll finish it off and take Calvin Ridley here, who I think with T. Higgins in the same room as him would benefit a lot from having someone else who's going to draw attention because we saw this year, Calvin Ridley was coming off the gambling suspension. He was expected to be a number one, but then when Christian Kirk and the rest of that wide receiver room got so banged up, it kind of made us realize like he can't go out there and do it all by himself. But if we've got someone else to balance the field, I'm still confident that even a guy who's getting close to 30 at that spot could come in and be very productive for us here and give us a little bit of that one-on-one win going deep. All right. So I got to take a quarterback at some point and I don't want to make him my last pick. It turns out we both have one left after this. Uh, I'm taking Baker. I, you know, you tell me if you were a little surprised here, but Hey, uh, hung out with Baker at the Super Bowl. Um, a little shorter <laughs> than I thought. A little shorter than I thought. I'm just going to say, like, I'm sneaky tall. Baker, not. Not sneaky tall. But Baker, like, Baker had a thing. Like, talking to Baker, I kept asking him, like, what made this year different? And, like, there, there was just a real, like, hang to the guy. I felt, my, I felt myself falling in love with Baker Mayfield. So, you know what? I'm all in. Like, looking at the rest of the class, I'm not. Ryan Tannehill, like, no. I, I'm not going to take Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, no, thank you. Mitchell Trubisky, don't insult me. Marcus Mariota, still in the league. So, that leaves me with Baker Mayfield. I, I'm taking Baker Mayfield here, and I feel reasonable about it. You know, Jimmy G, Jimmy G could have been a good call, but he's suspended for two years, two games. I'm, I'm kid. I kid. Uh, no, but I, I, I do think looking at the rest of the class, like I don't know what Ryan Tannehill is viewed as the, by is the NFL from the NFL anymore. Like that guy could be high end backup by the time we get to the start of the season this year, someone you bring in to challenge a young guy that might be a little bit more improving and see if he can be your bridge starter. Marcus Mariota, that ship sailed. Trubisky's going to be no one starter again. Jacoby Brissett, 
I'll keep saying this. That needs to be who the Jets call. Like I saw Mike Tannenbaum go on get up the other day and say that Russell Wilson should be the guy that goes out there and is the backup for the New York Jets. But and we're going to live in the real world and something I think is far more likely. Jacoby Brissett is everything that Jets ownership right now is begging this team to go and do after the debacle that was last year. He's got plenty of experience being that guy. So he's not going to be threatening to Aaron Rodgers. I think that would work really well there. My last pick. I know I need another D lineman. I'll go Leonard Williams here. I'll say I'll I'll prioritize stopping the run in the middle. I, you know, we have Christian Wilkins, so I don't think we need a ton of pass rush juice from the other guy, but guy who again showed up in Seattle was able to be helpful and effective there. And I think could be, you know, he's a guy that like this year too, as we talk about the Dallas Cowboys and what they've got to do this off season, which also includes don't ask Mozzie Smith to lose 30 pounds when you need <laughs> ass in the middle of the defense, please back to for me. the love Always of come back to me. <laughs> It's just, I mean, like, what are we doing? I saw Michael Parsons on a podcast the other day. It was like, I want beef eaters in the middle and I want big middle linebackers. And it's like, you drafted Mozzie and then you made him littler. And I don't understand why knowing what your deficiencies were. That being said, Leonard Williams could be a guy maybe within a more approachable price range for a team like the Dallas Cowboys who could help with some of that run stuff in there. He will do the same for my team. I, I love that. My final pick will be I need a safety. So I'm going to go with Cameron Curl, a uh, Washington guy that's on the field a bunch, guy that plays a bunch. Uh, he's just sort of around the ball a bunch. Pro football focus had him graded out really well. He's actually somebody that I've had my eye like. He's one of those guys that I think in free agency, he's going to get a moderate deal and everybody's going to say, oh, sure, whatever. And then all of a sudden he turns out to be an every down starter. So I actually feel pretty good about like my defense overall. We'll throw this out to the people and let them decide which one of our teams are better, which will only lead to measured and intelligent responses. I am sure, Mike. I mean, if there's anything I'm sure it's that when they see this drafting process, as people will be like, man, you guys are really great at this. And I have no critique whatsoever. I stopped checking my mentions a long time ago. So I'm just letting y'all know you can't hurt me because Jason's going to post this. I'm going to retweet this and then I'm never going to look at what's underneath. And so you're going to be able to say all the mean things that you want about my draft. And I'm going to go on about living my life. Love is blinds. New seasons out right now. The bachelor is on a heater. The season has been a great revival for the franchise. I'm taking hot girl walks and drinking water, prioritize my mental health. So none of you monsters can hurt me. Look at that. All right. Mike's team, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Legereus Sneed. Golly, that's really good. Wilkins, Higgins, Burns, Jacobs, Fuller, Schultz, Luvu, Duggar, Gay, Stone, Ridley, and Williams. Ah, that, man, your team sounds really – I'm not going to lie. My team, Chris Jones, Patrick Queen, a valuable second overall pick I might add for me. Uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr., Matabike, Evans, Ngakwe, Johnson, Henry, Pittman, Hunter, Gilmore, White, Fant, Mayfield, and Curl. I think you kicked my ass. I think that's what I just, I read that and I'm like, man, I don't like, this is how I feel every time I do a fantasy draft. I feel great when it's going on. And then at the end, when I look at my team compared to everybody else's, I was like, man, did I take an edible before? Cause I felt like I was doing really well. And at the end, I don't feel like I did all that hot. You know what? You prioritize middle linebacker in a way that the Philadelphia Eagles should have last off season. So oh, that, if that you were drafting for them, that becomes something where you can go, all right, you know what? We, we understood the importance of this area on the field. We believe it has value to our roster and we can go forward from there and great name guy that looks super badass in a uniform. So never get wrong with taking a guy. That's a good first off the bus candidate. You know, the, the, the real lesson I've learned here is that because you started this episode talking about, you know, junk in the trunk, that's all I was thinking about the rest of the episode, obviously, 
because I I've definitely got beef. I got beef all over my team. I got I got a beefy team. Like that's all. I got I got a team full of beef. I'm gonna keep saying beef until everybody's uncomfortable. That's what we're trying. Uh, let us know who you think had the better team, but not Mike because he won't listen to it. But you can check out Gojo and Golik on the DraftKings Network every single morning, hanging out. And congratulations, you guys are also hanging out on Visa now every uh, every day, every weekday. Is that right? Every weekday, Monday through Friday from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, you'll get the best of Gojo and Golik on uh, VEASAN and all the radio stations that carry them. Great programming. What Brett spilt over the, uh, Brent spilt over there has been nothing short of exemplary. There's a ton of great talent on there. Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bon and Tony and all the great people that we got to see out at the Super Bowl there. So excited to be going to work alongside them. And uh, yeah, excited to be back on radio. I'll be back Thursday with inside coverage with C Rob and Jory. As always, follow us on Twitter at Mike Golick Jr. to get to Mike at Jason Fitz for me at SJ Rochelle for Stone, our producer behind the glass doing God's work. Leave us that five star review, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, your family, and enemies. Tell everybody to hang out with us every single week. Mike, it's Jason from work. I know you. We're friends. I'll see you guys Go next away, Monday. Go away, little boy. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, you call me little. I am working on my fitness. <laughs>